Happy Friday. Good to have you. We get a lot to do today once again, and and it is a football Friday. It's very exciting. Lions, divisional round, home playoff game, Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming to town. And look, if if you partake in a little bit of sports betting, uh, you've probably heard before that the, the phrase or or something similar to the, the the fact that Vegas always knows. They always know. Well, let me just tell you how how close they are to actually knowing. Last week, when the Lions hosted the Rams, the Lions were a three-and-a-half-point favorite, three-point favorite depending on which book you look at. That's essentially a pick game in the NFL. If you're a home team, that's good for about three points. All right, so it's essentially a, a, a pick em or a or a half a point advantage to the Lions. The Lions won by one point. All right, so if you just look at, at what Vegas thinks is going to happen, you know, Vegas doesn't like to lose money. These books don't like to lose money. So if you if you look at it, if that's something you pay attention to, Lions about a six and a half, seven point favorite, depending on where you look. So just keep that in mind. That would be a, a that would be a, a little bit of a comfortable win, I would say. You, you win by seven points. But that that if if you're looking at that aspect of it, that probably makes you feel good. I think if you look at the the statistics of it all, probably makes you feel pretty good. Now Tampa Bay's a hot team right now. They've they had a nice end of their season to get themselves into playoff contention, and they knocked off a, a Philly team who had really struggled last week. So we'll talk a little bit more about the Lions coming up at two eighteen with Lomas Brown. But look, make no mistake about it, this is uncharted territory for Lions fans, and there is a certain degree of excitability that you should be afforded. I would just throw caution to the wind, right? Because this is uncharted territory for us, playoff football is really difficult. Playoff football is intense. It's it's more focused. And any little mistake can feel like a, like a backbreaker. So I know people are excited about it. People are, uh, you know, puffing their chest out a little bit going into this game. People are excited. Just, just be careful a little bit. That's all. Because these are tough games in tough environments. And and mistakes can feel magnified. But I look, I, I expect the Lions to win this game. I expect the Lions to head to the NFC Championship game, which is kind of where I had them pegged throughout most of the year, at least as my expectations really changed. And 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 if they get to that point, you're playing with house money. You win, you had a wonderful season. I don't think anybody wants to squander an, a season like this, but... But if you get to that point after not winning a playoff game in 30 years, after not hosting a home playoff game for 30 years, um, it's a successful season. And so we'll, we'll, if, if, if and when we are lucky enough to get to that point, we'll talk about it. Um, but that game certainly on Saturday, San Francisco-Green Bay is going to be a wild one. And if by some chance the stars align and Green Bay wins that game, and Detroit on Sunday beats the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the afternoon. You'd be looking at an NFC Championship game in the, in the city of Detroit. Absolutely wild. We'll get there. We'll talk about it. We'll watch for it. And we'll talk to Lomas Brown coming up at 218. A couple of other things to to, to uh, inform you of. Um, 
we have talked about electric vehicles a lot on this show. And I told you, I don't have a dog in the race. I, I don't have big oil ties. I don't have EV ties. I don't have any of those things. I just want to be able to get to and from where I need to go as easily and as just simply as possible. And while I believe that that certainly the future is going to be electrified to, to some extent, when that is, I don't know. I'm, I'm certainly not as bullish as some automakers are. You know, General Motors saying they're going to be all EV by 2035, 2036. That, that seems, it seems fast. It seems fast-tracked, and it seems unrealistic to me. Because I look at the sales of EVs over the last year, and they have not been as robust as experts thought they'd be. Because I, I, to a certain extent at this point, believe EVs are, if you are a car aficionado, if you wanted an electric vehicle, well, you probably have one now. Everybody else isn't in the market yet. And so I think that's where the hesitation is from some automakers to say, well, wait a second, we need to pull back a little bit. We need to reevaluate what you, the, the, the consumer, the customer, the driver wants. And, and I continue to maintain that for a vast majority of people, electric vehicles are just too expensive. And that's not even getting into the infrastructure of it all yet. And while more and more chargers and charging stations and superchargers are being made available to people, at the end of the day, that's not enough. It's not enough. It's not enough when you consider um, the uncertainty of it all, the range anxiety of it all. People just aren't there yet. And again, that's not poo-pooing the fact that maybe we won't get there at some point. But now Ford Motor Company coming out with an interesting decision today. Ford setting to cut back on F-150 Lightning output. And they're going to boost Bronco and Ranger production. Uh, uh, a statement today by the Blue Oval says that about 1,400 jobs at the Rouge in Dearborn are going to be affected. They're trying to find a balance, according to the, the company. A balance in production of EVs and the demand in which those vehicles are in. And right now, according to Jim Farley, the, the CEO, he said, we are taking advantage of our manufacturing flexibility to offer customers choices while balancing our growth and profitability. Customers love the F-150 Lightning, America's best selling EV pickup. We see a bright future for electric vehicles for specific customers especially with our upcoming digitally advanced EVs and access to Tesla's charging network beginning this quarter. All fair. Keywords there, though, specific consumers. Meaning, if you wanted an EV, if you are in the market, if you are looking for an EV, you. Otherwise, the drivers at mass are not interested or, or they're not in the market for an EV. Maybe they're interested, but they're not in the market. So what, what happens to these jobs now? Well, at the Rouge, it'll become a one-shift operation, effective April 1st of this year. 700 people will be affected, and they will be transferred to Bronco and Ranger factory production in Wayne. Now, again, I think Ford has done a nice job with this because they have afforded themselves the flexibility. Now, they took... A lot of money and a lot of upgrades to the Rouge to make that the, the, the facility is now for EV production. But 
with all of that being said, I think it is a bit of an admission that 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 the demand isn't yet there. And I applaud Ford and Jim Farley for making that call. And, and I also believe that at some point, the federal government is going to have to step in because these automakers, which are meeting a, a number of federal demands and, and, and changes and trying to meet certain benchmarks based on what the Fed's laying out. If they see that the automakers aren't selling the number of EVs that they had expected or forecasted or were hoping, well, that is all going to have to change. The landscape is going to have to change. And again, for Democrats that have made uh, carbon neutrality and carbon zero emissions and going green, when you make those declarations, it is very difficult to back off that ledge. But I applaud what Ford's doing. I think for the for really good, smart, viable companies, look at it and say, okay, this isn't our this this is not the time. It's not the time. And I think Ford doing a good job with that. All right, we got to take a break. Uh, we'll get to your calls if you want to weigh in on any of those issues. 800-859-0957. Calls, text, Lomas Brown next on JR Afternoon. Hey, Danielle, question. I sent Jake to school today. Reminder, Jake's in kindergarten, all right? I sent Jake to school today in his Lions jersey, his 97 Hutchinson jersey. He did have art class today. <laughs> What are the odds that that jersey comes home in the same condition that it left this morning? Oh, boy, you messed up. I messed up. Oh, yeah, you messed up. You know what? I don't even care. Ah, It's a big weekend, big game coming up. And uh, look, what happens happens. But that kid went to school today repping the Honolulu blue and silver. Lomas Brown joins us to help break down this game. The host of Sports Rep, color commentator for the uh, Lions Radio Network. Lo, it's good to have you back, my man. Yes, sir. It's good to be talking football another week. Huh? It's it's great to be talking football another week. Yeah. And and look, let's start with the big news. And and you know, I think fans have been excited to see James Houston come back. Um, we saw what he could do last year, and and this is a guy that has an incredible motor coming off the edge. You know, you put him on the other side of Aiden Hutchinson. Um, you hope that you're able to generate a a little bit more of a pass rush. How much can we realistically expect now that he's back? Is he going to see a full slate of snaps? Is he going to be specifically on third down passing uh, situations? How do you think they use him? Yeah, I think more so third down. I mean, again, like you saying, this guy, he hadn't played all year long. So, I mean, this is his first game and, yeah, he's going to have fresh legs, but again, he hadn't played NFL football, and I don't care. You could do as much conditioning as you want to, pushing the slits, all the simulated stuff, all that. None of that matters, man, when you get in a real game. So I know they'll have them on the pitch count, but what he can do, man, if he could bring that outside pressure that he was able to bring last year, what that's going to definitely make the quarterback have to do is step up in the pocket. And with a lean being back, uh, Benito Jones, those guys like that, all they got to do is just be ready, be in position, a little bit of push on 
Baker Mayfield, remember, he's a smaller guy, mm-hmm. and he likes to maneuver around in there. So I think this would be key, especially, like I say, if James could stay on that outside shoulder and keep that out, keep Baker in the pocket where they can force him up in there and get those big guys, those linebackers, maybe hitting the A and B gaps an opportunity to get sacks. Yeah, and look, I'm not looking for him to be an impact player across all four quarters, but if he can make a couple impact plays, and you're right, keep contained, keep Baker Mayfield where, you know, somebody like Aiden Hutchinson, Aleem McNeil can go tee off on him, I think that that would be that would be a plus for that defensive line. Um, meanwhile, the Bucks kind of feast off of mistakes and uh, an opposing offense is turning the football over. This is a good defense. I think a better defense than we saw last week uh, out of out of uh, Sean McVay's group. This is a, an opportunistic defense. They like to pressure, bring the blitzes, exotic blitzes, and they want to force you into mistakes, turnovers. How important is it for this offense, Jared Goff, running backs, receivers, whatever it is, to keep control of that football? Don't turn the darn thing over. Yeah, that's the key. That's going to be the key. That, I mean, again, because – Sometimes the defense is going to win. I mean, again, we at the highest getting that getting to be uh, the highest level of ball here. Think about it. It's, it's very few teams playing professional football at this time of the year. So these are your best teams. So you got to expect them to make plays too. So like you saying, you just can't compa- compound the bad play with a turnover. You know, you have to be able to have your hot reads when you know the blitz is coming. Your receivers got to be on key. Your linemen got to be on key to which way they're sliding. It's just so many things. Like you say on offense, it almost has to be like an orchestra. Everybody has to be on the same tune, reading from the same sheet of music, you know, to make that work. And that's what happens when you get in this type of ball. You're right, tall ball, and there may not be no exotic blitzes. He may line up and say, hey, I'm going to just send more men than you can block. Mm. You know, it may not be anything exotic, but, again, you have to be prepared for all this, and we know he is a high blitz, high-rate guy, but what comes with that is the ability to make big plays off of either a big play throwing it or a broken tackle can go for a big play. So, that's the that's kind of their sword that they can fall on with bringing a lot of blitz and versus Jared Goff. And we know what this offense can do, the the, the capabilities they have, and, and and I hope that a guy like Sam Laporta coming along nicely contributed last week, got to the end zone, didn't do too much, but didn't put himself in harm's way and contributed in a big way last week. We know what the offense is capable of. Defensively, in the playoffs, is where. You got to make your money. You got you got to tighten things up. This defense has been the quintessential bend but don't break defense. And look, field goals in this league get you beat. We saw that last week against against the Rams, where they just couldn't get into the end zone. The defense tightened up in the red zone, and they kept Matthew Stafford and company out more than they let him in. That's a positive. Does this defense continue on that same trajectory? Do you think a lot of bend but don't break? That it's going, it's going to have to tighten up a little bit more than that because you'll find some teams that can break it. I mean, you know what I'm saying? You, if enough yeah. teams get in the red zone against you, 
eventually odds are they're going to be able to put up points against you. So, again, you're trying to prevent them from even getting in the red zone. So, yeah, you could bend and break only so much. you got to change that up. And, look, the two Super Bowl teams I, wrote, I was on, the, the Bucks team in 2002, and 2002, John Gruden, great defense, Warren Sapp, full, full Hall of Famers off that defense. The other team, the Giants team that I went to the 2000 Super Bowl with, good, very, very good defense on that team with Jesse Armstead and some of those guys that we had up there, Keith Hamilton and some of the guys that we had, Jason Seahorn, you know, some of the guys that we had on that team. So I say that to say the defense is going to have to continue to take steps to be a championship defense because that's what wins championships as they say, it's defense, and that, and a lot of times that's true too. Yeah, Low, what's it like this time of year when you're when you're uh, you know putting that that helmet on, strapping it up, getting ready to go? What's the mentality here for for players? Man, it, and you know, right now it's do or die. That's all it is, man. The single elimination right now. Like like a, our greatest coach, my greatest coach, Frank Gans, used to always tell us. It's the best team on game day that's going to win that, that game. Yeah. It don't matter how good you are coming or going into that game. The best team that on day. that day is going to win that game. That's why you got to play it. Lomas, enjoy the game. Enjoy the call. And uh, hopefully we'll talk to you next week uh, on a on a bright, happy note. Absolutely. Take care, Chris. All right. That's Lomas Brown right here on WJR. It's good to have him on. And, and the insight is tremendous because – it's not like you always have access to to a, a guy that's got a Super Bowl, played in a lot of football, played a lot of high-level football with a lot of different teams. Oh, and block for Barry Sanders to boot. Unbelievable. All right, we got to take a break. couple other things to mention. A, a little bit more on the EV issue. Because what we are seeing across the country in these cold temperatures is not a good sign for electric vehicles. We'll talk about it next on JR Afternoon. We're talking Lions today. If you want to weigh in on your prediction for the game, we've got a uh, what would you do coming up in the 3 o'clock hour, along with our free-for-all Fridays? Um, Lion-specific. One of our listeners sent in a note, and it is very specific about this game. I, I haven't read the whole thing. Brian told me a little bit about it, but I think it's very interesting. So we'll talk about that coming up as well. But big game, and, and look, we haven't had... This much excitement around the Detroit Lions in forever, since about 1957. <laughs> so so we'll talk more about that. If you want to weigh in on, on your thoughts on the game, predictions, I'll take all those calls to 800-859-0957. Um, and did you ever spend a tremendous amount of time outside in the winter with your, with your cell phone in your pocket? Because if you have, you've probably noticed that your cell phone doesn't hold a charge very well in the winter. Because the the cold temperatures zaps your battery and it drains it pretty quick. We're seeing that with electric vehicles across the country, especially in northern parts of the country where we are in this deep, deep freeze. And we're seeing that miles and miles in some cases, I mean, hundreds of cars in places are basically lined up to, to get some juice and they die while they're waiting. So tow trucks are pulling them in. People are pushing the vehicles to get some 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 juice. And I, I think that if you are like me and you don't have a dog in the race, 
if if it's gas powered, if it's hybrid, if it's electric, I don't care. I want the most convenient way for me to get from point A to point B. I don't and none of it matters to me. So whatever is the most convenient is what I will get on board with, right? And I think that's how most people are. So that when you see that on the news, when you see ABC News bring that up or Fox News bring it up or CNN, that doesn't instill confidence thinking, well, that's the way I need to go. I mean, the amount of juice that these vehicles are able to hold when they're fully charged anyway is barely 60 percent. I think I think the number I saw was between 40 and 50 percent of the charge you'd be able to hold if it was 80 degrees. It just gives more pause. I'm not saying this isn't the future. I'm not saying that this isn't where we should move, where we should move. None of it matters to me. But the demand isn't there. And the demand isn't there for a couple of reasons. A couple of things tell me this. One, in 2023, the amount of time that EV sat on car dealership lots were about two times to almost two and a half times longer than ICE vehicles. That is a problem in and of itself, especially when dealerships are trying to, to sell these things. Now, EV sales for 2023 accounted for about 9% of sales. That's still an uptick. That's good news. But in terms of the overall growth, where this thing really should be jumping, if if OEMs are going to go all EV, you're going to need more than a 1.7% jump year to year. 2022, EVs, including plug-in hybrids, accounted for 7.3% of sales. Last year, 9%. It's not the kind of jump that OEMs want to see. They want to see much bigger jumps, and we're just not seeing it yet. 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. David Rochester kicks us off. Happy Friday, David. Chris, happy uh, Friday. Hey, checking out the, did you check out the market today? All-time records, S&P 500 going 40 over, well over 4,800, first time ever. Did you see what Jamie Dimon said this week? Uh, I don't care what Jamie, I don't need Jamie Dimon to tell me two plus two equals uh, five. Okay. Uh, did you check out the consumer confidence this morning? Not only say, hey, 13% last month, 13% this month. Never had they had a two-month increase in the last 32 years. I mean, so if you want want to know where the cop where where the poll call the so-called uh, polling on the economy is going to be nine huh? months from now, you well, can pretty I, well I suppose Joe Biden's going to win the election. Oh, I I think I think going away like I said yeah. a long time ago, okay. and, right, and cool. it, it, it's tracking exactly like I said the delay in the sentiment. Sentiment's catching up. Can you imagine what it's going to be like nine months from now? Yeah. No, I can't imagine. It's We're all going to be rich, I think. Well, yeah, th- th- we are, based on all the data. Household wealth. Could you buy me a new house with all that money, that that, that wealth that you're uh, you're building? Uh, well, there's enough to buy many homes with the wealth up. There's going to be now to 150 net net wealth. It will be 150 trillion. I all guarantee. Right. You I, I look forward to that, quarter. David. Thank you. What is that? All you want to talk about today? That's no, not what I have no, you, no, you EV mentioning. Cars. The EV cars. Yeah. The EV cars are sending. Through, they're, 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 
they're going they're going up through the roof. I mean, in no. three years from 2018 to 20, they were stagnant at like just under two percent of the market. Then they go up because there wasn't the volume there is now. It, it then to 64. The, the volume is it, it increased. It's not going to be people who 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 don't have one now are never going to get one. Or, pe- or right. people Dave, are going to Dave, get one. In 2018, there were less EVs being built. So yes, it would it would account for a smaller pot, piece of the pie yeah, that, of it, cars it, being it's sold. Taken off the, it, it's taken off the last three years. In, in the numbers, we're over a million now in 2023. Okay. EVs accounted for nine percent of cars sold last year. Nine percent. Yeah. In 2020, yeah, it was seven point three percent. I think you got the years off wrong. And I don't. The data I I'm looking at it right but, now. Okay, let's nine percent. Yeah, great. That's a one point seven percent increase. That says okay, that we no, need. A, no, they, they, well, no, Dave, it, that it, doesn't it, say it, we okay. need to go all EV. Relative forty four percent year over year increase. We got eleven years to go to two thousand thirty five. Wait, do the math. F- say that again. Do the math. We have no, no, a before that forty four percent increase. Forty four percent relative increase year over year. We're at one point one six. Even if we cut that in half to 22.1% in 11 years, we'll be at 12.7 million units. All right. Dave, I appreciate the call. Those, I mean, I'm telling you what the number of EVs sold are. That doesn't, that's why Ford is looking at their, their F-150 Lightning production and saying we need to scale back. Look, I, 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 I'm just telling you what it is. And what it is is that there aren't enough EVs being sold. And when you look at what's happening in winter, when it gets down to one degree, when it's in the, the negatives with wind chill and these things aren't holding a charge and you can't get to a charging station because your car's dying in line, that's a problem. It is a problem. And I don't have anything against EVs. I actually like them a lot. But, but this isn't, you know, it, the reality is it's, the tech isn't there yet in my mind. It's not there yet. That doesn't mean it won't be. doesn't mean we won't get to that point. It's just right now, it's not there yet. And I think that's why you see companies like Ford pull the reins back. Ken's in Attica. What's up, Kenny? Hey, Chris. Just wanted to uh, touch base on the EV discussion. Mm-hmm. I've called in about it before. Uh, I think the assertion that the tech is not there yet is uh, not quite accurate. Um I drive, of course, I drive an EV, so okay. I feel like a bit of a proponent for it. But sure. Even during the most bitter cold, uh, my, you know, I lose maybe, maybe twenty percent, maybe twenty five percent on really, really cold mornings. Okay. But the thing, the thing is, with your with your ICE vehicle, mm-hmm. you burn, you're going to burn a whole lot more fuel also in the similar conditions. Sure. If you uh, if you don't make sure you have adequate fuel, uh, you're gonna have you're gonna have uh, problems with uh, uh, potential fuel problems with not enough fuel when it's that cold. No, no, Ken, I'm not I'm not saying that that yeah, of course, uh, absolutely, you're absolutely right. There is, but I think and look again, I'm not against EVs. I know a lot of people with them. I know that's their primary vehicles. I like them. But I just think that that if if you get to a point where I, again the number I saw from Tesla was between forty and sixty percent is the is their is their max battery 
is the is the capacity at, in these temperatures. I mean that that's unrealistic. I think for a lot of people. Yeah, that's, if 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 that if that was my experience, I would I would say that's not a good thing. It no, and look, maybe experience. this is something. Maybe it's an easy fix. Maybe there's just some tinkering that needs to be done. But but I mean, again, I think if 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 this is what we're seeing in these temperatures, it's not a great it's not a great face for EVs. That's all. Yeah, the 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 one thing that uh, that is good is you know even even in the most bitter cold, your heat and your HVAC uh, system is instantaneous. You have heat right now. No doubt. You don't have to sit there and run for, let it warm up for a X amount of time. But, uh, and I, I agree, it's EV is not going to be a fit for everybody, and it shouldn't be mandated. Ken, do you have a, do you have a charger at your house? I do. I have yeah. a level two charger at my house. Yeah, and see, and that would take away a lot of, I, I think, the issues for people like, in bigger oh, communities yeah. like Chicago that have to go to these public stations to charge. It, w- yeah. I, it, it would take a lot of that away. Kenny, I got to run. I appreciate the call, my man. Have a good weekend. Got to take a break. All right, we'll get back to your calls and texts momentarily. 800-859-0957. 800-859-0WJR. A little bit of breaking news. Alec Baldwin has been inti- indicted on charges of involuntary manslaughter. As prosecutors once again try to hold the actor accountable for the death of Helena Hutchins, the cinematographer for the movie uh, that he was working on at the time. Uh, Rust was the movie. They were shooting in New Mexico. Baldwin was getting ready to to film a scene. Hutchins was preparing the scene when a gun went off, a prop gun. Well, I guess it was a real gun. They thought they had blanks in the gun. But the gun went off, it discharged, and and Helena Hutchins died as a result of it. I think somebody else was injured as well. Um, initially, Alec Baldwin was, was charged with this, but the charges were dropped a few months later. And now a grand jury has indicted him on inv- involuntary manslaughter charges. So a little bit of breaking news on the Alec Baldwin front. Uh, if you're on the line, hold tight. I do want to throw something else into the mix because as we talk about the Lions today, um, there is something else at play here. And and for me, as exciting as everything is inside Ford Field, on the field with that team, you you got to feel a real sense of pride for the city of Detroit. We have to feel pretty thankful for the people that are at the top, making sure that Detroit looks great, feels great, is ready for, for big games like this. And and the restaurants, the bars, the hotels, all the, the the stores, the shops downtown, everybody's benefiting because of these playoff games. I believe the economic impact was about twenty million dollars. That's according to Visit Detroit uh, for the for the playoff game last week. And and so you feel good uh, all the way around. Claude Molinari is the president and CEO of Visit Detroit. And he joins us. Claude, it's good to have you back, my man. Thank you so much, Chris. Great to be on with you. Um, the the the, I mean, everything around this is aces, right? Great football team, great coaching staff, great organization doing the right things nowadays, um, and it's given fans a lot of excitement on the field, the product. But but overall, our region, our city is is flourishing in a in a 
part of the calendar where it could be pretty bleak. It can be pretty cold uh, both outside and and in the and, and, and in the expense books. But but things are, are looking up. Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, last Sunday night, the whole city was electric. And I got to tell you that, you know, every bar and restaurant in the downtown and the midtown all around the region were just jammed. And that's just not a typical Sunday in January. And now to be able to run it right back again, you know, this week, and then with the possibility of Green Bay handling some business and we handle our business to do it a third time, it would just be icing on the cake. And again, we saw a huge benefit from throughout the region because of that home playoff game. What, what was that benefit? Did you hear from businesses and, and, and companies? What was the benefit? Well, even better, uh, we have the statistics. So we did a three-year study of Lions home games, and when the Lions play on a weekend um, in Detroit, we see a 10% boost in occupancy for uh, a game. Last week, we just got the stats in yesterday, last week we saw a 16% boost from the Lions. Now, again, you're talking about 45,000 hotel rooms across uh, Metro Detroit, Oakland, Wayne, and Macomb County. That translates into millions of dollars for these um, hotel partners. And again, the restaurants, everything. I mean, the trickle down when all is said and done, when you go even through secondary spending that's, you know, well beyond just uh, food, beverage, tickets, merchandise, and things like that, we're looking at over $100 million for <laughs> one Lions home playoff game. Unbelievable. I mean, it, th- that is unbelievable. And and look, a lot of credit goes to you. A lot of credit goes to the collaborators that you work with that, that has put the city in this position, that has marketed the city as a destination for these events. And, and Roger Goodell, the NFL commissioner, was in town this week. And, and you know, uh, you introduced him and he sang the praises of Detroit. He said you can really see the difference and and I that can be hard for for people to see sometimes, right? If you're if you're exposed to something all the time, well, you don't really you notice the changes, but you don't really feel the difference. Well, now you've got the 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 head of the most powerful sports league, you know, certainly in the country, potentially in the world, that he's going. Yes, you got to come to Detroit, and not only are we coming, but you should come here too. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I mean, just. For statistical purposes, Detroit's first playoff game was the highest TV-rated show since last year's Super Bowl. So they've captured – the Lions have captured the imagination of people. And, you know, basically the last two years as I've been traveling the country, people are constantly telling me the Lions are our second favorite team. <laughs> you know, after seeing them on hard knocks and then Dan Gamble and they – I mean, they score 35 points a game. They're just – they're so much fun. And uh, it's been, you know, just wonderful from that aspect. And, and again, I think that these panoramic views on, you know, nationwide TV when 60 million people are watching and they get these views of our downtown, all these skyscrapers and, and our beautiful stadiums, and they're like, wow, like I had no idea. I mean, frankly, sometimes it's almost insulting. They're so shocked because I want to tell them, like, uh, this place is amazing and yeah. you should really give it a second look. Yeah, you got to see it. Once you see it, I remember you telling me one time, once you from people who are outside our community, they they think of Detroit as one way. But when they see it, it's totally different and and instantly changes their perspective, their view of of how far we've come and what we're about now and what we can offer. Um and I think that's incredibly valuable. Claude, great stuff. 
Uh, have a great weekend. I know you will. Lots of hard work, and, and now you get to see some of the fruits of that. Uh, enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the game. Thank you, Chris. Yep, that's Claude Molinari with Visit Detroit. Uh, it, it is. It's a very exciting time in the city of Detroit. There's no doubt about it. And, and look, it's all good things. Everything is good. And the Lions are good. People are starting to to understand that Detroit is the place to be. And I think, again, that's when you when you look at the decisions being made by by Roger Goodell to, to allow this city to host their NFL draft. I think it's a good thing. All right, I got about just a minute left here. I want to go to Warren in Plymouth quickly on the EV issue. What's up, Warren? Hey, uh, Chris, have a good weekend. Thanks, hey, man. I've lost my power for the second time in four days in Plymouth. Oh, so how goodness. am I going to charge an electric car? They can't even make my home reliable. And then mm. there was a comment from one of your callers that about Jamie Dimon. He doesn't need him yeah. to tell him that 2 plus 2 equals 5. Yeah. No, he just ask a Democrat who wants to use the core curriculum in schools. They'll tell you 2 plus well, 2 is 5. Look, Jamie Dimon you know? says, you look at the stock market. He said it this week on CNBC. You look at the stock market, and it's like a drug. You take the hit of the drug, it makes you feel good for a minute. But in the end, is it really sustainable? Are we at the point where... We're just getting the dopamine hit, and it's nice for the moment, but the underlying issues are so much deeper, and the reality is we could be heading more towards a financial disaster than financial prosperity. And that's from a guy like Jamie Dimon, the the head of J.P. Morgan. So I think those are fair things to bring up. Warren, appreciate the call. You have a good weekend, too. Got to take a break. More next. Three o'clock hour. Good to have you back. We're going to open up the lines coming up at 318. We got our free-for-all Friday. And we just give you an opportunity to rap about what you want to hit on. We'll throw a couple of things in the mix. We've got our we've got our what would you do coming up as well. Um, so still lots to do. Uh, I do want to bring a couple things up, though. Um, there was a report in page six. That's the, I, I guess I've never heard it referred to this, but Craig Mauger uh, said it is the New York Post celebrity gossip column. Which I didn't know. Is that, Brian, you're shaking your head? Yes. Absolutely. It's been that. Page six has been the thing for a long time. Okay. I guess I've just, I've never really, it, page six like has TMZ, never. TMZ, PMZ, page six was like the original. Oh, okay. Gossip right, cool. Thing. Fine. Um, they had a, a story this week that said Gretchen Whitmer had signed a book deal, a seven-figure book deal to write a book. Um, they also said that she, the 52-year-old Democrat, is viewed as a, quote, potential replacement for aging Joe Biden, who is 81, uh, and that Simon & Schuster would publish her book. But the governor on Thursday, the day after this was run, uh, was in Saginaw for an event, and she told reporters that she did not have a seven-figure book deal. She said, I'll always say at some, I, will, I always said at some point, I'm going to write a book, the second-term governor said, uh, as Craig Mauger writes. When I've got something something to announce, I'll share. Uh, she said the thing on page six was not accurate. Uh, the Detroit News also sent a note to Simon and Schuster that was not returned. So I guess she was pretty definitive saying that it's not accurate. I guess she didn't say what part of it isn't accurate. Um, so I guess we'll we'll see if she has a book in the works. Doesn't sound like she's got one in the works now, but um, she said that the report was not accurate. Uh, interesting. Meanwhile, we're, we're talking about EVs, and I know some of you are on the line. I want you to hold tight. I'll get to you momentarily. But Ford announced 
today through a statement that they were rolling back F-150 Lightning production. That's their all-EV F-150. And it, and it, it is a uh, – I just to, to, to throw it out there, it's a great truck. I mean an awesome truck. I've, I've been in it. I've toured the Rouge. It's a great facility. It's, it's top-notch, all right? But Ford says that they're, they're scaling back production of the F-150 Lightning. And here's why. Jim Farley said in that statement, we're taking advantage of our manufacturing flexibility to offer customers choice while balancing our growth and profitability. Customers love the F-150 Lightning, America's best-selling EV pickup. We see a bright future for electric vehicles for specific customers, consumers, excuse me, especially with our upcoming digitally advanced EVs and access to Tesla's charging network. So all those things are great. And I think Ford has done a nice job of accessing that flexibility and and putting that in place in their plans. So what does this mean for the workforce? Well, it's going to affect about 1,400 jobs. Uh, Brianna Noble in the Detroit News says that uh, about 900 people uh, will be working in the Wayne uh, plant with the assemblies of Broncos and Ranger trucks, um, and that the F-150 Lightning production is going to go down to one shift. So I, I to me, this is a, this is kind of a sign of where we're at. In 2022, EV sales were at six point. Hold on, I got to check again. I have it here because um, I want to give you the right numbers. But EV sales in 2022 were at 7.3%. In 2023, 9%. That's of all vehicle sales, 9% were EVs or plug-in hybrids. That's a 1.7% increase. By my math, I'm not great at it. But that's not enough. It's not enough growth. And so pair that with the Axios report from last year that EVs were just sitting on lots of of auto dealers. And it, it was a big problem. Cox uh, Automotive said that the amount of time a EV would sit on the lot compared to an ICE vehicle was, was basically double the amount of time. There, there's a 70-day supply of EVs, and they, they just couldn't sell them as quickly as they had expected. So I think it's a problem across the board. And then I think when you pair that with what we're seeing across the country, certainly here in Michigan, places like, like Chicago where these, these EVs are lined up at charging stations and they die while they're waiting to get juice. The cold zaps their, their ability to hold a full charge and and they're not able to, to get charged. They got to get towed to a charging station. They got to push their vehicle to a charging station. It's a mess. So from an optics perspective, it's not great for EVs. 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. Also, we're talking Lions. Big game, divisional match, a divisional round matchup. Lions-Bucks, it's the most expensive divisional round game in NFL history. We got, we got, I mean, people are losing their minds. And people are spending big money to go downtown, get to a bar, 
you know, get a hotel for a night, go to the game. It's a lot of money being spent. But this is this is a it's almost like we're making up for lost time. It's almost like, you know, all of a sudden we have this thing, this this shiny thing that we haven't seen before. And we want to we want to be a part of it. So, yeah, it's exciting. People are pumped up. We're talking about it. If you want to hit on, you know, your prediction for the game, I think the Lions are a six and a half point favorite. So a little bit more breathing room. This defense is better that the Bucks brings in. I mean, I do expect the Lions to win this game, get to the NFC Championship game. 800-859-0957. Let's go to the dude in Detroit. What's up, dude? Hey, Chris. Sorry, hey. just taking a little bit for the little one. <laughs> yeah. um, hey, you know, when we were, excuse me, when we were in Florida a couple of uh, summers ago, I remember a couple of bad storms that had hit our area, and there was an EV issue that had come up then because as these things get flooded with water, they catch fire, the batteries I'm talking about. And so it isn't just limited to the cold weather states. It's also the southern states that are going to be dealing with bad storms, fires, or excuse me, flooding, and that type of mm-hmm. thing. And I don't think this is so much of an indictment against alternative forms of transportation, but I do think it's an indictment against government when they get involved in something like business and in the private sector, and they sort of pick and choose winners and losers rather than to allow the free market, meaning you and I, to decide through natural means and, you know, we want this, we desire this, it's a good – the market decides. Yeah. So when you're taking taxpayer dollars or you're taking you know, you're giving special incentives to certain companies to do certain things, it starts to affect people's lives. And we're starting workers that are getting laid off. They were promised a bunch of stuff. And now, you know, now they're having to renege. And I just I think it's just an indictment on government getting involved in business. And Dude, I, think I, I couldn't more agree people, more. I couldn't agree more. Let yep. the market decide. Yep. And look, I am not anti EV. I'm not. I want whatever is easiest for me to get to point A to point B. If that's gas, if that's diesel, if that's plug-in hybrid, if that's gas-powered hybrids, I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. Whatever is cheapest and easiest, that's what I care about. I'm not tied to big oil or I'm not tied to these to, to this push for EV. It doesn't matter to me. I'm, I am every person. I, I am like a majority of drivers. And so for me, it doesn't matter. But, but you're right. When you create the type of system... When you set different standards, when you move this this goalpost into a place where it is impossible for OEMs to to operate under that infrastructure, under that under those parameters, what are they going to do? They're going to adjust because they have to meet those standards. They have to meet the guidelines that the federal government is putting out. And so when they do that, they're met with a fork in the road. Do we go and meet these these government set standards or do we go with the market? Well, initially, it appeared that automakers were going with the standards. But I think it's almost impossible to continue down this road at this pace, thinking that 1.7% growth in EV and, and hybrid plug-in hybrid sales is going to be enough to sustain it. Because if that's the rate of growth from 2022 to 2023, I don't think it's going to be good enough. And if you say, well, Chris, we were coming out of pandemic. Things were different. Things were strange. Buying habits were different. I don't disagree with that. I think that's a a fair variable to bring up. But at the same time, the numbers are the numbers and they don't lie. And so as EV production has ramped up, 
I can't help that we just had a global pandemic that people closed everything down for. The reality is the reality, which is the growth from 2022 to 2023 was minimal. And it it woefully undershot what some experts were forecasting. So I, I think there's a lot of optics here that EVs still have to overcome, and I just don't think we're in the market yet. 800-859-0957. We got Free For All Friday coming up next. Talking Lions. We got a What Would You Do also coming up. Don't go anywhere. All right, I want to get to a couple of texts. We'll get back to your calls. 800-859-0957. You can call or text that number. What do we got, Brian? Uh, well, you got one that's interesting from Tom. He says there's virtually no demand for EVs by consumers. The only major demand was created by the government and encouraged by taxpayer subsidies. Look, I think there is interest. I think there is there is interest in the – I mean, it. I think a lot of it depends on the infrastructure. I think a lot of it yeah. is, is um, is this your primary vehicle? Is this a ro- is this a, a car you could take on a road trip? You know, I I think I think what you will end up seeing at some point is I, I I could see where, you know, households that have two vehicles, maybe you get one EV and you have a gas powered vehicle, right? So you're kind of covered right every way. Gas powers for long trips, EVs for going back and forth to work. But in mass demand, who 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 sent that tweet? Uh, it didn't have okay. No, I'm sorry. It was Tom. Okay, Tom. Tom's right. The mass demand isn't there. Not yet. No. No. And and, and it may a, never be. An we don't annual? Know. No, it may not. But I'm not closing the door that it isn't. No. I think it's a it's a possibility that it, it could be. But at a one you know one point seven percent growth year over year from 2022 to 2023, that is not enough. It is not enough to justify OEMs making up a a. a a sweeping shift in their portfolio. What else we got? Oh, yeah, two more that are really good. <laughs> well, I think they're funny. Uh, you have a one from uh, Dave who just texted in to say, Dave from Rochester gives all of us Daves a bad name. <laughs> no, stop it. I love Dave. I just thought that was kind of He's funny. a good man. We have disagreements, <laughs> and that's okay. Sure. But I, I, I'm, I'm thrilled Dave participates in the show yeah. because, because look, um, we, we come at it from different perspectives, right? Dave's a really smart guy, by the way. This is this is somebody who who is dialed in to the to the the numbers, right? He's kind of a, a, a an economist, if you will. But but what we are, and this, but this is where Dave and I differ is, well, you know, he poo poos somebody like Jamie Dimon when I say, well, the the head of J.P. Morgan this week on CNBC said, look, it, it ain't all roses and gumdrops here. Right. Like, it's nice that the stock market is doing well and it's like a dopamine hit. But is that real or is are you just creating happiness because yeah. you took a little pill? Like, it's it's not it, it. We don't know if it's real yet. And and for some people, that short term, that little boost is is enough. But for the long term. Right. Especially into the future. And and I thought what Jamie Dimon said this week was was good. We played you the audio earlier this week. And it was that there is so much money. There's so much output from the United States. I mean, you're talking about potentially funding Israel, funding Ukraine. Um, you know, the United States is spending more money than ever. Uh, 
interest rates are still too high. I mean, the, the amount of things, the, the obstacles in front of us are so great that even if the prognosis is good, you should be preparing for the worst. So, I, I look, I, don't, I love Dave. I think he's a great guy. <laughs> I, I, I'm I just laughing at that long trip to, to, to say we like Dave. But my, <laughs> no, but my point is when you poo-poo somebody's ideas like that, who is obviously a great financial mind, I, look, we disagree, but Dave's a good guy. Good caller. Absolutely. And here's the last one. This is from somebody who just calls themselves Sizzle Chest, which I, I nice. don't understand. But, okay. But I want I want to be, you know, we we're going to. That's not we're gonna, real. You made that up. No, it says it right here. I'll show you. <laughs> and we're going to flag this because it says, your bosses should make every other WJR host listen to your show for a week. Oh, stop. All it, the other guys act nutty and weird, yet you cover the same subjects, but in a common sense, <laughs> interesting and sometimes funny way. I don't think Thanks. that you've listened very long. <laughs> <laughs> a little nutty on this show, too. That's very nice. Thank you. But no, everybody does a great job here. It's what's my look. It's what, why we're WJR. Um, can I get to Elaine real quick yeah, in Harrison time. Township? Yeah. All right, Elaine, what's going on? Well, I'll tell you. Um, listen to you guys all the time. I think everybody should listen to you, too, and learn how to do things. Anyway, um, People make a mistake very often, and it's the one I see people make the most. They think however things are, they can be better. Well, that's true, but it's a half-truth. The other half is they can also be worse, and I think that's where we're going with EVs, mm -hmm. and I'll tell you why. Because when government, these are the Biden saw that he could use it as a political tool, or the people managing him saw as a way to get him back in office, Suddenly they took off the EVs and started making all these edicts and stupid things. Yeah. And nothing will be a success unless economically it's left to the free market and government stays the hell out. Yeah. No, Elaine, and I appreciate the call. I, You know, I think that there is a part of that. You remember what Jimmy Carter put on the sweater and he's like, well, we have a we have a, a, an oil crisis here. You, you just put on a sweater. Put on a sweater if you want to stay warm. You, you can't tell Americans who have had access to, you know, gasoline that you can't don't heat your homes. Just put on a sweater. That's not how this works. That's that's you can't put the baby, uh, the genie back into the bottle. So it, it, it's kind of the same way here. It's there's no doubt that the federal government is 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 getting involved here. And it is political because the Democrats, in my view, are trying to appease a certain wing of their party that is looking to eliminate fossil fuels, which is wholly unrealistic. I'm not saying impossible. I'm saying wholly unrealistic. And so I just I refuse to believe that that, you know, Ford or General Motors is just doing this because uh, they woke up one day and had a dream that they should electrify vehicles. No, it's because they're being pigeonholed into it. And they have to. So so for me, look, I don't close the door one way or the other. And Elaine's right. We may go all EV and we may not. But I, I think it's very difficult to try to give the public something. And when they and when they don't want it or when the demand isn't there, you try to push it down their throats anyway. That's not a good business model. And I and that's why I applaud what Ford did. And they say, look, we're we're scaling back production of the F one fifty Lightning.
because the demand isn't there. 800-859-0957. What would you do? Coming up next right here on WJR as we continue on JR Afternoon. 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. You can talk, call or text that number. Um, I did talk, <laughs> I, I did uh, mention earlier, uh, Jake, who is in kindergarten, I sent him to school today in his Lions jersey, his Aiden Hutchinson Lions jersey. Um, so I went and picked out his clothes this morning, and I said, uh, any chance, to, or, do you have art class today? He says, yep, I have art today. And I go, ooh, I wonder if I should, what if you should wear this jersey? And I'm like, you know what? Screw it. Who cares? Put it on. You're a Lions fan. It's a big weekend. Who cares? You get paint on it. You get paint on it. Whatever. So I sent him to school in his Lions jersey. And I, I just asked, what was the, what were the odds that he comes home today and that jersey's in the same condition it was when I sent him off to school this morning? It and, feels pretty low. And you had a caller okay. who called in and said, Chris. You should take that Lions jersey, you autograph it, get all the other hosts to autograph this Lions jersey, we will mount it, and then auction it off for charity. (laughs) (laughs) All right. There's got to be somebody willing to pay dozens of cents for it. We will make tens of dollars. There's there's just so many coins. That's a good idea. It is a good idea. We'll see. I mean, you know... Jake will you'd, be wearing a different jersey every month. We'll you'd be have to have very off. specific <laughs> needs for a 4T Aiden Hutchinson jersey. With paint and autographs. With paint. <laughs> That's a good idea. Look, if, if somebody's willing to, to, to buy it, we'll, we'll give the money to charity. Absolutely. Uh, all right, real quick, Tom in Ann Arbor, and we're doing What Would You Do? What's up, Tommy? Well, I thought you were going to say you dyed your kid's hair blue, but you did uh, You know what's so. funny? How about this, Tom? Listen, yesterday, my two-year-old, uh, Henry's about to be two on Saturday, on Sunday. And uh, so we're at the, we went to the barber, my wife's hair salon yesterday to get his hair cut for the first time. The dude had super curly hair. It was long. So we, we said, we got to get it cut for the first time. So I'm messing with Jake. Jake hates to get his hair cut. And I said, Jake, should we dye your hair blue for the Lions game this weekend? And he looked me dead in the eyes. And as about as serious as he could, he goes, are you kidding me? Is what he said to me. It's true. True story, Tom. So no, that's not on the table for him. Well, the reason I was calling is, have you ever noticed everything the Democrats touch turns to S-H-I-T, whether it's the border, the economy, uh, vehicles they want to force us into, uh, the military. Do you ever notice they just destroy everything? How about in Ann Arbor where you can't use a gas-powered leaf blower anymore? Well, that's that's another thing. That's another thing, you know. It's just Well, but, Tom, you can't, but, like, city services can. You know, to to clean up parks and oh, stuff. Oh, I know. I, I understand what you're saying. No, I don't. And it's not going to mean nothing. There's there's no such thing as global warming. With this this last two weeks of weather, you don't hear him talking about global warming, do you? Yeah. Well, uh, look, Tommy, I appreciate the call. Um, you know, I, I think that there are philosophical differences on a lot of different issues. You know, I'm not. I don't. I don't want to say everything they touch turns to you know doo doo, but I. I, I will say that I think, you know, I, I I have a different viewpoint, and I think a lot of people do, and that's okay. It's just, um, you know, I wouldn't go. I it would I would take a different path.
All right. Uh, let's get some what would you do into the mix, Danielle. Can we have some dramatic music, please? Uh, a caller sent this in, Brian, as I understand it. Yes. Uh, this is Lions-related for this yes. game this weekend. Yes, the listener from Sterling Heights. Here's okay. what he says. I've been a longtime Lions fan and a season ticket holder, even going all the way back to the Silverdome days. Now, for years, some combination of me, my wife, our son, and our daughter have made it a priority to go to every home game. When the kids got a little older, my wife would even sit out a couple of games a year so the kids could take along a friend. They're both now in college, Michigan State, Grand Valley, so obviously when the demand for tickets went way up, we had a tough decision to make. Kids came back home for last week's game, and we all went to the playoff game as a family. All we've ever wanted was to go to a home playoff game, and even though tickets were incredibly expensive, we decided to go. We had the best time. We all lost our voices from screaming all night and wore it like a badge the next day, a badge of honor the next day. Now, because we got the experience that we got to experience that game all together, paired with an upcoming game being the most expensive divisional round ticket, the divisional round ticket in NFL history. Sorry, that was a little awkward for me. We made the difficult choice to sell our tickets. We made thousands of dollars for them. And even mm. when, with everything being so expensive these days, it helped us pay off a couple of bills, and it takes the edge off of tuition costs. So I was content with that decision and was looking forward to watching the game at home. Just like last week, the kids were coming back to watch the game with my wife and I. We planned a little watch party just for the four of us. Then yesterday, got a call from my best friend, 24 years. His company has a suite at Ford Field. Oh, no. Someone had a last-minute conflict and couldn't go. Oh, no. He called me, asked if I wanted the one last remaining pass into the suite. I told him I'd let him know by 5 o'clock today if I could go or have to pass. My family put the ball in my court, but I think I might feel guilty going to such a big game without them since we've spent years watching them together. Mm. Should I take the suite ticket or stick to my original plan and watch the game at home with my family? What would you do? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Danielle, do you want to take this first? Okay. God. Why does this have to be a moral decision? Because if it was me, I'd be like, see y'all, I'm going. <laughs> I know. I was going to say, Have a I nice... know exactly what you're doing. <laughs> y'all going to be cozy, but I'm going to be lit. Danielle throws a loaf of Wonder Bread and says, have fun at your party. I'm out. <laughs> have my slice of pizza. <laughs> yeah. 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 That guy already made a promise to his family. He's got to stick to it. You got to be a man. Well, you don't know that he promised. Well, he said we're gonna. You know, we plan this. We're gonna stay at home. We're gonna. We're gonna do our thing here and whatever. He can't. He can't. But this guy is a huge Lions fan. Obviously, I I don't. They've been going since Silverdome, but they've been going as a family. See, and you're gonna abandon your. I mean, it's this is the divisional round. The Lions could be going to the NFC Championship game. <laughs> you wouldn't go? No, I would go as a person. <laughs> but also, if I was one of those kids, right, this is, yeah. what, this is what I'm thinking. All right, Dad, go ahead. Yeah, you go. Oh, I'm going to remember this. Have a good time. <laughs> and then rub it in his face for literally... 32 years. 32 years. <laughs> so that man dies. Just 32 years. Wow. Um Wow. All right. Brian, do you have thoughts on this? <laughs> I I kind of do. Uh, 1-800-859-0957-0WJR uh, gets you in if anybody else wants to comment. I think 
honestly, I think he stays home. Yeah. I, I, I'm not with Danielle. I mean, I, that it is. It's a rare chance. It's a big chance. But you know, if I've if I've told my family I'd be home, I would. It would probably be one of those things you'd kick yourself down the road. But I think I'd have to stay home. All right. I think there's regret either way here. Absolutely. Either way. There's regret either way. Yes. It's a no-win situation. I don't think that you feel good one way or the other. 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. Here's, here's, here's my, my thought. Because now, look, I'm, I'm a sucker and a softy when it comes to my family. There is zero chance that I could go to that game. Zero chance. If I do everything with my, if we did something with my family all the time, then all of a sudden they were like, oh, by the way, we're going to do something and, and I can't involve you. No, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Yeah, but here's another thing. Your kids are really young. And I think that those kids are older. So. Yeah, they're college. Your kids are young. They're not going to know. The only one that's going to be a little bit hurt. But, you know, here's Stephanie. the other thing that, like, that I've done. So uh, when Michigan went to the Big Ten championship game in 2021, I went to the game. Mm-hmm. I got credentialed. Mm-hmm. So I was up in the press box. I got a hotel room. <laughs> but what I did was I put them to bed. We had dinner. And then I left after dinner to get to Indianapolis. So I, I made it to the game. I guess it wasn't quite dinner. I was helping make dinner. But by the time I left, like I, I was with them every every minute I could be there, and then I left. Mm, I don't know. I think I, look. I think for me, you you hang with the fam. John from Rochester texted us. He says one hundred percent home. You got to be home. Yeah. But look, this guy's. A, I don't know. I think. I think uh, my advice. Uh, what I would do is you stay home. You stay home. You have a nice time with your family. And you just get hammer drunk. No, that's Danielle's plan. <laughs> All right, got to take a break. We'll get to your calls, your text coming up next. Steve Courtney also joins us. We'll preview the game coming up on Sunday. Don't go anywhere more as we continue on WJR. Guy was offered tickets to his suite for the Lions game on Sunday. Problem is, it's one ticket. And he has been going to Lions home games as a season ticket holder with his wife and two kids for years since the Pontiac Silverdome. Is that what he said? Yep. So a long time yep. he's Silver been he's days. been going. Um but his buddy only offered him one ticket because they sold their tickets to Saturday uh, Sunday's game. So he and his family planned a little party, kids were coming home from college and now he's got this conundrum, should he go to the game by himself without his family or watch the game at home? Diane's in Wald Lake, she wants to weigh in. Hello Diane. Hi there. Um, this is my feeling on it. I, I don't know his family, you know, that well in terms of how he and his wife and his kids uh, are in terms of making these kind of decisions. But if I was his wife, I would highly encourage him to go. This is a once in a lifetime uh, deal. And if my husband really wanted to go and it meant a lot to him, I think I would make that sacrifice, uh, if you want to call it that, and stay home with my kids and uh-huh. be happy that he's able to do this. She's sweet, isn't she? No, look, I think that's I think that's great. I just think I, I think he said I would feel guilty. I think he said his family's putting putting the decision on him. He can yep. do whatever he wants, but 
I think he's I, and and Diane. I think I would feel guilty too. I think if I if I were to do something with my family for decades, and all of a sudden I'm doing the same thing without him, I I would feel a little weird that they weren't there. Yeah, but but you know, it's like this is it's not like it happens a lot, and I True. think that maybe having some compromising on some other subject or some other activity down the road or promising to do something else to make up for it. True. Um, I, I think maybe if they had a conversation to dis- discuss some alternative ways of dealing with it rather than them putting the guilt trip on him. Yeah. I don't think that's fair either. No, inter- it's an interesting take, Diane. I appreciate the call. Thank you. 800-859-0957. We got a couple of texts, Brian, We're rolling getting in. a lot of stay-home votes. Okay. A family should say... I'll say, go, you go, Dad, represent us. Yeah. Now, here's one. Here's another one. This man has a dilemma of his own. He said he doesn't think it's as bad. He's going to Frank, going to Frank and Muth during the game. His friend is not a sports fan at all and has no interest in the game. She won't even let me listen to the radio as we're driving to Frank and Muth. The trip is for her birthday. Oh, Help. No. <laughs> help. <laughs> Is help in all caps? Yeah, no, but there's an exclamation oh, point. No. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, I don't know about that. That's a tough one. It's like, could you go to the game? You can't even hear the you game. You can't even hear the game. <laughs> I hope you really like this friend. Because like, cause if it was one of my friends, I would be like, <laughs> screw you. We yeah. turn it on. <laughs> you must really like this person. I'll tell you, you. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I would have some words. They have a sports bar uh, outside of Frankenmuth. Maybe just go there. Don't tell her it's a sports bar. You want to know, you wanna know what, I'm, what, I'm, what I got going on Sunday? So Henry's birthday Sunday is going to be two. We got birthday party with some folks in the morning. We got... A little uh, afternoon get together with some friends and their kids. Then we have a, an evening birthday celebration for Henry with some other folks. And what time is that at? Well, we should be home from the middle part of our day with our friends. We should be home by like three. So, like, I'm going to be cutting it close, but we'll make it work. Uh, Steve Courtney joins us. Hello, Stephen. <laughs> Oh, Chris. I know. <laughs> oh, that text. poor Frankenmuth guy. <laughs> I know. You got a and text then. Him. What do you do? He's got, and then he's got a faint excitement when he hears the immortal phrase, oh, let's go shop for some Christmas ornaments. Yeah. <laughs> we do. Carolyn from Holt Texas back and she said, just say no to Frankenmuth. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh, great no city. No offense to our great yeah. friends at Frankenmuth. Great place. You know, this is a different set of circumstances. Yeah. This conversation, by the way, brought to you by the hardworking men and women at Bill Brown Ford. Forward down the field, yes, the W's have been stacking up. And while our attention's been on the Honolulu Blue and Silver, the winged wheelers are having a year. My good friend Matt Garko and his team are stacking wins each day. Drive with the champions at Bill Brown Ford. Shop their TrueView inventory at BillBrownFord.com today. Uh, are you ready to tee this thing up? Let's do it. I sure am. Steven? Are you there? Yeah, let's do this thing. All right. Uh, yeah, we've got this situation here. And I got to tell you, I am anxiously awaiting this kick. Uh, because guess what? Uh, James Houston has been activated. Uh, the second-year linebacker 
uh, fractured his fibula, you recall, in week two, that loss to Seattle. Now, remember, he had eight sacks in seven games as a rookie last year. Uh, sadly, to make room, uh, they uh, let go uh, Mr. Uh, Julian Aquora. I feel bad for that guy. I mean, the Lions are having a year, but listen, uh, chances are better than not. Houston's going to have a little bit of rust, yep. uh, but this dude's an athlete. And uh, you're talking about a Lions team. Aiden Hutchinson, we know all about him. He's had seven sacks in his last three games, but he is the only Lions defensive player who has more than five sacks in the regular season. Uh, Baker Mayfield talking to some of his old buddies on the Rams. They told him, look, dude, uh, you're going into Ford Field. Uh, we have never played in a louder venue. So Mayfield has that to contend with. Uh, on top of that, you recall in the Week 6 matchup, Lions won that 20-6. to uh, Baker Mayfield threw for 206 yards, no touchdowns, and a pick. Jared Goff, meanwhile, 353 yards, two TDs, no interceptions. Uh, defensively, the Buccaneers held the Lions in that tilt to 40 yards on the ground. Things were a little bit different. They didn't have the left guard Jonah Jackson. Jameer Gibbs did not play because of a hamstring. Yeah. And they lost David Montgomery to a rib injury. Uh, after a 19-yard reception in the second quarter, he did not return. So things a little bit different. A little uh, different. Ball, ball protection, not turning the ball over is going to be priority. Real quick, do you have any uh, thoughts on this game prediction? Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Lions. Uh, it's going to be a little bit tight. 31-24, I think, is going to be the uh, final. Um, uh, I just, I'll take I, it. Win's a win, Stephen. Enjoy the game. Everybody have a nice weekend. We'll talk to you next week.